a pair of competitive games from the Houston Rockets over the weekend against the Orlando Magic on the road and the Clippers at home, ultimately falling just short in both games, which, hey, it's better odds for the ping pong balls, but there were still some good positives to take away from these two games. We're going to break it all down for you right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA draft, the Houston Rockets select... Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and also host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts now. Got a bunch to talk about in today's episode. We've got the Rockets and the Orlando Magic playing their game Friday night. We've got the Rockets against the Clippers and the Sunday night game. And then any you know extra thoughts from those two games that I don't get to in the first couple segments, I'll throw in at the very end of the episode, as well as it's that time of year, we're going to start doing tankathon spins. It's I told myself I would wait all the way until March. March is right around the corner literally one day away. So I figured I would break the seal a little early. We're going to start doing tankathon spins at the end of every episode so that we have something to look forward to or potentially not depending on how badly the spin goes. But let's so we're going to go talking about the Magic game, then we'll talk about the Clippers game, then we'll get into segment 3 with any like extra thoughts about those two games that stand out and do a tankathon spin at the tail, the tail end of things. But let's start with the Magic game because this was a game coming in that right first game out of the All-Star break Probably going to be, you know, a little rusty for both teams involved. The Magic were actually favored to win this game, which I thought was a bit disrespectful to the Rockets. And ultimately, it went pretty much exactly how I thought it was going to go. Uh, we did a, a spaces just before the game. Myself and Roosh Williams talked for like an hour, just, you know, coming out of the All-Star break, that kind of thing, Friday evening going into this game. And I predicted, I said, hey, it's going to be a competitive game between two lottery bound teams and i think that ultimately the magic are going to win it out at the end and that's exactly what happened unfortunately as the game progressed i found myself even though i was firmly against the idea of wanting the rockets to win this game especially against another potential bottom five team in the orlando magic the ping pong balls are super important at this point so i want the l's to rack up especially against other lottery bound teams but as this game was going i kept thinking to myself no like i want them to win this game so bad because Jalen Green had that stretch in the fourth quarter of this game where the Rockets went down by about double digits, and then Jalen Green just kind of took over. He hit a three. There were a couple more buckets by, I believe, Jay Sean Tate, and then I think it was Alperin Shingoon, possibly, uh, who you know kind of ex- kept cutting into the lead. And then Jalen had those two back-to-back driving layups where he just was an absolute blur, finished through traffic, just exploded past the Orlando Magic defense cut the lead to just three points. It was a 104-101 game at that point, just under five minutes to go in the game. The Magic called timeout, and immediately coming out of the timeout, Christian Wood took the next three or four offensive possessions for himself. And 
that was hands down one of the most frustrating things that I'd seen because up until that point, Jalen really looked like he had it going. He was playing a dominant game. He looked really good. Jalen finished that night with 23 points on nine of 16, shooting four of nine from the three-point line. He had five boards. He had two assists. He had four steals in that game. He was active playing the passing lanes. He had arguably one of his best games of the season against the Magic. And he was the one who cut that lead down to a one possession game. He didn't get another shot till I think it was like one and a half, you know, left in the game, like one thirty something left in the game was he finally got another shot. Now in between that point from his last made layup to that shot attempt at about, you know, 90, 90 seconds, hundred seconds left in the game. He did have one possession where he got a switch. I believe it was on Wendell Carter Jr. Dribbled the clock out and didn't do anything with it and kind of kicked it to EG in the corner and EG had to make something happen. So EG drove baseline, floated the ball up and in. But past that, like he just wasn't involved in the offense down the stretch of this game. And that's something that we've seen so often in these games where Jalen's having a solid quality night and then suddenly gets iced out of the offense down the stretch. And it was just really frustrating to see. And not only that, like, because the Rockets could have very easily won this game. And it felt like they got away from what was working for them offensively. And a big part of that was Christian Wood coming in and kind of disrupting the flow of the offense, taking, you know, kind of, it felt like he was going after his, right? Even though Jalen Green had the hot hand, Christian Wood was the one that came in and started taking all the shot attempts after Jalen was on that stretch coming out of the Orlando Magic timeout. Now, I will say also one of the other points of this game and this is something that has to be fixed. It, it can't continue. It is absurd. Christian Woods free throw shooting going three of 13 against the magic was one of the most painful things that I've had to witness in recent memory, watching this Rockets basketball team. Every trip to the line was, I mean, at that point it's absolutely mental. Like there's nothing like, you know, yeah, there might be, you know, some, you know, a better way with his form, you know, maybe he needs to get in the lab and like rework that and just focus on that. But Ultimately, going three of 13 at the free throw line, that is a mental thing. And for C. Wood, for a player of his caliber, it's inexcusable. There is zero reason for Christian Wood to go three of 13 at the free throw line ever. There's zero reason for him to shoot below 70% from the free throw line. Uh, for a guy that shoots as well as he does from the mid-range, from deep, it's like... It's almost like Josh Smith-esque, right? Because Josh Smith was like a decent quality shooter. And I say quality, right? He was a streaky three-point shooter. But for some reason, like Josh Smith could hit threes and they could never sink free throws. And that's kind of where we're at with Christian Wood right now. And it's really aggravating because Christian Wood, so many, so many of his offensive possessions end with him going to the foul line because he just tucks his head down and drives into the defense and looks for contact and trying to finish over defenders rather than surveying and trying to kick it out when he starts his offensive move. So if he's not converting at the free throw line, those are empty possessions. Those are wins for the defense. They might be looking, opposing teams might be looking at Christian Wood right now thinking, you know what? Let's just put him on the line. He's not going to hit him anyways. That's rough. Like, and that just can't happen. If you want to be the focal point of this team's offense, if you think you're the number one option in your head, You've got to be able to hit your free throws at a better clip because, again, at that point, it's just it's unbearable. It's it's really, really tough to watch. Um, elsewhere in this game, I mean, you know, the rest of the starters, decent games all around. Jay Sean Tate, Eric Gordon, some quality games. KPJ, this was the game that he rolled his ankle, um, and then he missed the game against the Clippers, didn't practice on Saturday when the Rockets held their practice. So 
you know, hopefully he's on the mend, especially with KPJ bobblehead night coming up here soon. It'd be really crummy if he didn't get his bobblehead uh, or I didn't get to play on his bobblehead night is what I'm trying to say. But off the bench, Dennis Schroeder continues to be really impactful off the bench. And we're going to talk about kind of his presence, especially in this uh, next game against the Clippers and, you know, what he brought to the table there, flirting with a triple-double. The Rockets coming up just short at the end of regulation, a chance to tie that game against the Clippers. We're going to get there in a quick moment after a message from our friends over at Built Bar. Because, look, when it comes to protein bars, you've got to check out Built Bar if you haven't yet. They are the number one protein bar on the market. Every single bar is covered in 100% delicious chocolate. They've got so many amazing flavors to choose from, too. Strawberry, cookies and cream, raspberry, mint brownie, my personal favorite, coconut brownie chunk. You can't go wrong with a single bar on their menu. Every single bar is low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing if you're on a keto diet, amazing if you're trying to cut back, lose a little bit of weight. You can check them out. Just go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your very next order of the best-tasting protein bars on the market. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's dive into the Rockets Clippers game. Now the second of their two game slate over the weekend. And this was a game that based on how the Rockets got absolutely manhandled by the Clippers just before the all-star break. I wasn't exactly expecting a super competitive game and they proved me wrong. The Rockets actually played a Decently respectable game. However, the X factor in this game and the man who completely changed the complexion of this one was none other than Avicha Zubats because my goodness, was he playing like, I don't know, Bill Russell in his prime? I, I guess he was, he anchored the Clippers defense and had an absolute lid on the basket for anything that the Rockets tried to get going inside the paint the rockets finishing with just 34 34 yeah 34 points in the paint in this one and i mean you saw it all throughout the game it, he zubats was changing the looks from everybody on the floor he had he swatted jalen green a couple times he had a lid on the basket he finished the game 14 points 15 boards at three assists he had a steal he had how many blocks was it six blocks yeah that's absurd Again, playing like a, a prime Bill Russell out there for uh, you know against this Rockets team, he was a plus sixteen for the Clippers in a one point game. That's how good he was. They were getting absolutely obliterated, smoked, whatever when he wasn't on the floor, and then when he was on the floor, he completely changed the complexion of the game for them. He only he only he only didn't play in fourteen minutes, and in those fourteen minutes, the fact that the Rockets uh, completely took advantage of the Clippers in that stretch of time. I mean, should have done more with it though, because the Rockets ultimately falling just a little bit short after jumping out to a really solid start in this game, a 28 to 19 first quarter, kind of let go of the rope a little bit at the end of the second quarter in this one going into halftime games, you know, not dead even, but a, a lot closer than it was. And then they play kind of even in the third quarter and then fourth quarter rolls around and the Rockets just, can't get the buckets that they need down the stretch. Zubats has, again, you know, has his fingerprints all over this game. The Rockets did cut it to a one-possession game, and Jalen Green had an opportunity to tie it up 98-95. Steven Silas drew up a play. It wound up 
Steven Silas told us post game that it wound up actually being a play drawn up for Eric Gordon. Uh, instead of Jalen Green, Eric Gordon was the first option on this drawn-up play, but the way that it kind of broke down with the inbounds, Jalen Green got the look as the second option, got the pass you know, on the inbounds play, pulled up for it, and he had a really good look at three and just unfortunately couldn't convert it. This was just probably the worst game Jalen Green's had in a while, and it felt like it kind of felt like because he couldn't get anything going inside, it really made it difficult for him to get his outside game going as well. So Jalen finished the night just 10 points. Four of 18 shooting was really rough to watch. Two of 10 from the three-point line. It didn't get a single chip or a single trip, I should say, to the free throw line. Had three rebounds, had three assists, had two steals. So, and he, he played a heavy load. I mean, 38 minutes, but the four of 18, I mean, he hit two of 10 from three. And then the only two makes that he had inside the three-point arc were the two lob passes that he caught. So he had the one from Josh Christopher, which was awesome. It was, you know, Josh Christopher lobbed it up to him for about half court and Jalen, you know, yammed it home. And then he had another one later on in the game from Dennis Schroeder as well. Both of those guys doing a great job, just kind of finding Jalen on the wing, kind of making that eye contact with him. And then he, goes cutting towards the rim and is able to just elevate over the defense and finish those lob passes. But apart from those two dunks, Jalen got nothing inside his other, what six. Yeah. Six shot attempts inside all erased or misses or whatever. And again, it feels like for Jalen, especially when he's able to get going inside, get to the free throw line a little bit, get some easy shots at the rim it feels like it kind of helps open up the basket a little bit more for his outside shot rather than like in this game, him just being turned into, you know, a standstill spot up three point shooter. And a couple of the threes that he did take were kind of at the end of the shot clock, you know, force them up because the, the shot clock's winding down and you got to get some kind of a shot up. Sure. So not necessarily the most quality offensive possessions for Jalen Green, but still it's unfortunate when he doesn't necessarily have his rhythm behind him or when he's not in the flow of the game because he just hasn't been able to get any other easy looks at the rim. And that's why, and this is something that we've harped about here and, and elsewhere and many fans have you know clamored for is for him to be able to utilize some level of like his mid-range game right? Because I'm not expecting him to develop like a floater overnight. That's something that he's going to have to like try and go add to his bag this off season and come back with. But what he does have and what we've seen him utilize before is that mid range jump shot, right? He's got a decent midi like step back that he can go to in the, you know, in moments like this, where they've got a big, who's just camping in the paint, who is, eating up everything coming anywhere near the rim and he's not getting any calls, not getting to the free throw line. He had one where he went into the paint challenged Zubots. And I mean, maybe it could have been called a foul. Maybe it was a clean, you know, contest on his part, but you know, Jalen went up and I mean, I mean, he hung in the air. He challenged him, right? It looked like it was going to be a poster slam. And unfortunately Jalen didn't get the call. He winds up, you know, on his, on his butt on the floor with no call balls going the other way. And those are kind of tough to stomach, right? Those are kind of the, you know, maybe he's hitting the rookie wall a little bit and the refs just aren't giving him the benefit of the doubt. 
And as Jalen Green, you know, gets more comfortable, as he bulks up a little bit, he's going to have those moments where he's still able to leverage his explosive speed, his athleticism against defenders in the paint like that. But he's also going to have the muscle to kind of force the issue a little bit more, right? Because right now, sometimes it feels like he jumps up and into defenders and he's not really moving them hardly at all, right? He's just jumping up and into them. They're going arms straight up and down, and it's not resulting in any calls for Jalen Green. But as he bulks up, as he gets bigger and stronger, he's going to be able to dive into those defenders and kind of force them to stumble, right? Force their arms to come down harder on him because he's finishing stronger through their you know contest than he is right now. So overall, kind of a rough game from Jalen Green, unfortunately. Uh, who did have a good, you know, I will say Dennis Schroeder did have a good game in this one, floated, or flirting, I should say, with a triple-double. The efficiency not quite there from a shooting perspective. He was just 4 of 15, but he only had two turnovers. And I remember at one point, like, I looked up and he had, I think he had 10 assists and just one turnover, and then he had one at the very, very tail end of the game. But flirting with a triple-double here, 11 points, 8 rebounds, 10 assists, just the two turnovers. Again, just 4 of 15 shooting, so those are some rough numbers from Dennis Schroeder as far as just actually converting on his shot attempts. But he got the starting nod in place of Kevin Porter Jr. again sitting out with the ankle injury in this game. And he did a good job, as he's done so far you know, as a member of the Rockets of organizing the team, getting guys in spots to be successful, playing some really quality defense, even though the shooting wasn't quite there and the efficiency was, you definitely like to see that be a little bit better from Dennis Schroeder. It really felt like you could feel his impact overall on this game start to finish. He, you know, he made his presence felt and then off the bench, the Rockets actually got a ton of bench support in this one from KJ Martin, Alperin Shingun, and Garrison Matthews. So Garrison finishing with 17 points off the bench, five of 10 shooting overall, four of uh, eight from the three-point line, got to the free throw line four times, hit three of them. Garrison doing what he does off the bench. He had a couple steals. He had one where he got a breakaway and, and got fouled really, I mean, really hard foul was so slow to get up, looked like he maybe rolled his ankle a little bit. And then Garrison Matthews, true to his Iron Man self, I mean, he was back in the game, you know, a little bit later on, no issues. But when the fall originally happened, it looked like he was, you know, stumbling to get up. He was able to walk off the court, you know, without any assistance, which is always a good sign. Uh, KJ Martin off the bench in this one too. Biggest thing for him, scored a big chunk of his points from the three-point line. That's something that has been so sorely missed from KJ Martin. Finishing the game, three of six shooting, three of three from the three-point line on his way to 10 points. He had two rebounds, two assists, just kind of an overall solid game from KJ Martin. And then Alperin Shingun, this is the guy who he should have played more in this game. And this is where it hurts so much that he and Christian Wood are, you know, tethered together at that five spot. And Al P finished with 15 points, five of eight shooting, one of three from deep, four of six from the charity stripe. He had three rebounds and he scored, I think it was 14 points in 10 minutes flat, like something like that, something absurd. He wound up playing, you know, a bit more, but this was a game where Al P and his size and the way that he plays would have been, I think, a little bit more beneficial down the stretch, uh, especially considering the fact that Al P can actually hold his own against opposing bigs. Whereas throughout this game, we saw Jay Sean Tate being forced to check Zubats because Christian Wood just doesn't or can't or won't. Like, you know, take your take your pick of, of the above reasons for why Christian Wood doesn't wind up checking opposing bigs. And it's frustrating. 
You know, it's frustrating having to make that concession, especially if you're Jay Sean Tate having to check, you know, a seven footer just because your center can't or won't, or he's going to get abused if he does check him. And there were, you know, plenty of times too with miscommunication on the defensive side where, you know, I think there was one play in particular where uh, Christian and Jalen were kind of like trying to communicate on who goes where during a pick and roll, that kind of thing. And it, it just got completely botched. And, at stretch, you know, for stretches of this game, their pick and roll defense by the Rockets was not great, right? The low man was never in position for the rotations. And that's been a recurring theme, unfortunately, throughout this entire season is that the Rockets defensive schemes, they've had to boil it all down and make it so simple and just go with like a basic switch everything or switch one through four. And the five is going to drop on pick and rolls because they can't get into anything more complicated than that. Because unfortunately, their players just don't adapt well to these circumstances. And it's certain guys like, you know, individually, we've seen guys grow defensively on this Rockets team, but as a whole, as a collective unit, the team defense is just abysmal at times, unfortunately. And that's to be expected with a young team, but it is concerning that they haven't been able to get it down to a point where they're, you know, super concrete with it. You know, I'm not expecting top 10, even top 15 or top 20 level defense, but it's the repeated like relapses and breakdowns that we see on, you know, a game-by-game -game basis that keep happening that are a bit concerning for this Rockets team. Now, I will say one of the silver linings in this game is the Rockets actually did a great job of taking care of the basketball. They only had six turnovers total, and that's been something that has been a thorn in the Rockets' side all season long, and that's one of the reasons that they were in this game despite the fact that they were only shooting 38% from the floor. They wound up shooting 40.5% from three, which was big, but 38% from the floor, they they weren't wasting their opportunities offensively, right? They weren't making a lot of shots offensively, especially when they got it inside the three-point line. But when you're not coughing the ball over and giving those opportunities to the opposing team, then you're kind of saving yourself a little bit, right? You give yourself a little bit of a buffer, a little bit of a comfort zone as far as what you can actually you know, give up or, you know, the shots that you're missing, they're not complete backbreakers when you're missing two or three shots in a row and then turning the ball over two or three times in a row. That's how you find yourself down double digits, down 20 plus, that kind of thing. And so we didn't see that in this game, even though the efficiency wasn't quite there for the team, we saw them taking care of the basketball. And that was a lot, you know, a much better sign overall than things uh, that we've seen previously. Now, unfortunately, I want to get into a few more points from this game, maybe some overarching thoughts coming up here in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online. Because look, football might be over this season, but basketball's in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is your number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And hey, it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right to the Olympics coverage and information so head over to their website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action available to you bet online where the game starts and final segment here at locked on rockets your daily podcast home for everything houston rockets basketball final thoughts from this pair of rockets games maybe some overarching thoughts moving forward into the rest of this season but i think first place that i want to go is unfortunately now we've seen it in We've got now a sample size of five games of Dennis Schroeder playing with the Houston Rockets and kind of what he looks like being mixed into the Rockets rotation. Now, unfortunately, Kevin Porter Jr. has missed a couple of those games against the Suns and now against the Clippers. So we don't get a firm idea of what the true rotational minutes are going to look like quite just yet. And even against the Magic, the first game out of the All-Star break, 
with everybody healthy, Kevin Porter Jr. wound up rolling his ankle. So he didn't play his full allotment of minutes. Allotment? Is that a word? I'm going to go with allotment. Sure. I don't think that's worth, but we're going to go with it. So KPJ just get, got 21 minutes against the Magic, right? So Dennis Schroeder wound up, you know, taking, you know, taking control at the end of that game. And so for me, and kind of where I come away you know, thinking about what these minutes rotations are going to look like. I was optimistic that what we'd see is that Eric Gordon and that kind of probably in my head, I was thinking Garrison Matthews would be the two guys to kind of take uh, a hit to their minutes to be able to make sure that the 10 guys in the rotation, understandably are getting decent amount of minutes off the Rockets bench. But we really haven't seen that take place just yet again, because there's been some inconsistency with the lineup across these five games. That the Rockets have been trying to incorporate Dennis Schroeder. Now I will say that Steven Siles is being very intentional about matching Dennis Schroeder's minutes with some of the guys off the bench. Like for example, against the Clippers, Dennis Schroeder wound up playing the entirety of the first and third quarters, I believe. And a big reason for that is because as Steven Silas is working through his substitution patterns, he's getting, other guys off the bench, a chance to play alongside Dennis Schroeder. So it's not just Schroeder and the starters, right? He's kind of staggering the lineups a little bit so that different guys get a chance to play with each other. And so that he has an opportunity to play alongside guys like, you know, the starters. Then he also gets minutes alongside KJ Martin, Garrison Matthews, Jacob, players like that. Right. But in all of this, the biggest concern and the concern that I had when the trade was originally consummated was what did this gonna what was this gonna look like for Josh Christopher moving forward? And ultimately, in the two games post All Star break that we've seen out of Josh Christopher now, he's finished both of these games twelve and thirteen minutes played respectively. He is now the guy lowest on the totem pole in minutes, and. It's kind of unfortunate to see, right? Because of how well he had played up until this point, kind of being the spot backup, like primary ball handler at stretches of this season. And in both of these games, Josh has struggled. I mean, against the Magic, Josh Christopher's stat line, 12 minutes, 04 from the floor, zero points scored. He had two rebounds, one assist, one turnover. That's it, right? And then against the Clippers, Josh Chris put up, in 13 minutes, 0 of 3 from the floor, did have three rebounds and did have three assists, had uh, zero turnovers, so that's solid. But, you know, again, didn't score the basketball at all in that game. And I don't know if it's just, you know, he's in a, you know, minor shooting slump now, or maybe it is like, you know, a, a rhythm thing where he's not on the floor or not, you know, doesn't have the ball in his hands as much when he is on the floor, kind of being turned into a bit of a spot up three point shooter now, now that he's been moved to more of an off-ball role in the minutes that he's on the floor. Don't know what it is, but it's been unfortunate to see Josh Chris come out of the gate uh, of All-Star break and put up a couple clunkers back-to-back, -back, right? The assists against the Clippers were nice to see, but Josh Christopher is a guy that you want to see be able to put the ball in the basket as well, right? He's a guy that has had zero issues doing that throughout the season, right? He's largely been able, you just give him the ball and he makes his moves quick and decisive. He gets into the paint. He hits, you know, a little turnaround fadeaway or a pull-up jumper, or he'll, you know, he's worked really hard on that three ball and he's been hitting those at a pretty steady clip. So Maybe it is just a little blip on the radar and he'll get back into the into the flow of things. And even though he's only going to be getting what looks to be anywhere from 12 to 15 minutes a night, uh, hopefully that's enough for him to get some rhythm, right? Where he's not getting uh, just like three minutes in a half like he did against the Phoenix Suns. That's kind of what I predicted him to be getting, right? About 12 to 15 minutes a night. And this is something just to, to throw it out there into the ether for Rockets fans. But 
I know that there there's some frustration. It has been all season long about, you know, this feeling that the Rockets aren't doing a good enough job prioritizing the young guys, that they're not actively working on development of the young guys. And Jonathan Fagan actually threw out this stat the other night, so credit to him. I believe he threw it out uh, Sunday night after the Rockets played the Clippers or something during the game possibly. But the Rockets actually play, and I didn't verify this myself, but I trust Jonathan Fagan enough to just quote him, and hopefully it's true. Apparently, the Rockets play the most number of rookie and sophomore players. They they give the most minutes to rookie and sophomore players of any team in the league besides the Orlando Magic. The Magic are the only team in the league that play more minutes for their rookies and sophomores than any other team besides the Rockets. And when you look up and down the roster, that holds true. I mean, and there's like a technicality in there too in the sense that Kevin Porter Jr., is basically still in his sophomore year as far as like total games played, but he's classified as being in his third year of NBA run. So he doesn't even count in this little formula, right? But when you look up and down the Rockets roster, let's just do their starting lineup, right? Jalen Green, rookie. You go all the way up to Jay Sean Tate, sophomore. You go to their bench rotation, and the Rockets bench rotation is just a bunch of young guys, right? You got KJ Martin, you got Alperin Shingun, you got Josh Christopher. That's your main three off the bench or has been your main three off the bench for a big significant portion of the season. Garrison Matthews doesn't fall into the rookie or sophomore wire, unfortunately. And then same thing for Christian Wood. Christian Wood doesn't technically classify as a rookie or sophomore, but based on like his total games played and like his actual, you know, extent of his NBA career, I basically give him like, yeah, he's at the tail end of like his sophomore year and maybe the beginning end of his junior year as far as being an NBA player. So where I'm going with this is, there's this like misconception. It feels like that the Rockets aren't prioritizing development and maybe it's just because, you know, on a given night, like Eric Gordon gets a few more touches than you would have hoped, or Dennis Schroeder's maybe taking a few more shots than you would have liked to see. Although I've been, you know, pleasantly surprised with Dennis Schroeder's overall demeanor. This is kind of like, it feels like the first game where he went out of his way to get his own against the Clippers and, you know, was still very involved in getting other people involved on the floor. It's not like he didn't finish the game with 10 assists. So you can't be upset that he wasn't facilitating. He was just also trying to get his own shots at the same time, which I'm perfectly okay with. But at the end of the day, the Rockets do a pretty good job of making sure that all of their rookies and sophomores get adequate burn on a nightly basis. I think my biggest frustration coming out of, especially this Clippers game, was just how well Alperin Shingun was playing and the fact that he didn't get the nod to at least stay in the game a little bit longer down the stretch. And I firmly doubt we're going to see this take place this season. But... I would love to see a situation where if Al P is out playing Christian Wood in a given game, I'd love to see Steven Silas just roll with Al P to close things out. Like I know that it probably won't happen. And it also won't happen for the main reason that Al P checks in, you know, end of the first quarter, end of the third quarter, whatever he plays his, you know, eight to 10 minute stretch of run. And it's really tough to have a player check in, you know, at the end of, say, the third quarter or with two or three minutes left in the third quarter and expect them to play the final 14, 15, 16 minutes straight in a row. This was a point that I brought up earlier this season as to why Alp isn't getting more burn than he currently is because they basically only play Alp and Wood in conjunction with one another. You know, Wood is on the floor, Alp's off. Alp's on the floor, Wood is off. That makes it really hard for Alp to get basically a third stretch 
of run in the game because of where he checks in and where he usually checks out. So even if the Alpi is having a really good game like he was in this one, basically by about the five, six minute mark left in the fourth quarter, which is usually about when Christian Wood checks in, Alpi's already encroaching upon, you know, nine, 10 minutes played straight in a row. And he's a big, right? And he's a big and he doesn't, you know, he's not, you know, I don't want to say he's out of shape, but he's not, he doesn't have like, incredible conditioning to where you can run him for the final 15, 18 minutes straight in a game and not expect him to be a little bit winded, to not be on his best behavior defensively, to not be, to not have all the energy in the tank, right? He's a big, he needs some rest here and there. And so I doubt we'll ever see that this season. If we do, if we do, I will be pleasantly surprised from Steven Silas if he opts to roll with Alper and Shingun to close out a game if he's having a better night than Christian would. Because in this game against the Clippers, Seawood had an all right evening. You know, he's six of 12 from the floor, one of two from the three point line, two of four at the free throw line. He hit two of two at the free throw line, which was a, just an absolute miracle. He had, he had set, ooh, pardon me. He had seven boards, one assist. You know, an overall, you know, decent game from Christian Wood. Not a horrendous game, but just the way that Alp was scoring with so much ease, the fact that Alp scored an equivalent number of points to Christian Wood in half the amount of time played, the fact that Alp was sopping up rebounds and was actually guarding the opposing bigs on the other team as opposed to Christian Wood being stationed on the wing and Jay Sean Tate having to guard Zubac down low and giving up a ton of rebounds to him because of just his sheer size, giving up four offensive rebounds. Like, there's just a lot of different things that make it really hard to be happy with Christian Wood on the floor right now, unfortunately. But with that, those are final thoughts on these two games for the Rockets against the Orlando Magic and against the Los Angeles Clippers, ultimately resulting in losses, which, hey, it's the final one-third stretch of the season. I predicted they go 6-18 and 18 over this final 24-game stretch. So far, that is looking pretty promising. But as promised, let's do a quick tankathon sim here at the very end just to see where we're at with the ping-pong balls and if the basketball gods will look upon the Rockets with favor on this day. So here we go. Let's run the sim. Oh, oh, don't like this one. All right. First official sim here on LOR. And we've got Detroit clocking in at number one, Indiana clocking in at number two, OKC clocking in at number three. And the Rockets and Orlando Magic are down at four and five, respectively. So with that, I mean, if I'm going to sp speed through this draft class really quick, I'll probably go with, I don't know, let's go with Jabari Smith Jr. to Detroit. Let's go with Paolo Bancaro to Indiana. Let's go with Chet Holmgren to Oklahoma City. And that leaves the Rockets with Jaden Ivey at number four. And then I'll just take A.J. Griffin at number five for the Orlando Magic. So that is more or less... Uh, yeah, that's just my quick, you know, my quick hitting uh, guesses on those picks. Uh, but yeah, if the Rockets fall to four, they basically are almost guaranteed Jaden Ivey uh, as their pick at number four, unless for some reason one of the other teams decides to go Jaden Ivey in the top three, which is not completely out of the realm of possibility. But in this circumstance, I figure those those three teams would pick the three bigs at the top of the draft. So with that. Unfortunate tankathon spin for the Rockets, not walking away with one of the bigs in this year's NBA draft. But with that, that's going to do it for today's episode. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts Apple, Spotify, Google, brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, check out the Locked on Rockets YouTube channel. 
Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe. What was your favorite and least favorite part from these two games over the weekend for the Houston Rockets against the Orlando Magic and against the LA Clippers? Drop a comment. I do read each and every one of those when you post them there. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.